This episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Adam, my man, it's feeling like hockey season out there. We got snow outside. Not quite ODR season yet, but uh, how's things been in Saskatoon? There's no snow here, thank goodness. Uh, I'm going to a football game tonight outside, and I'll probably break out the toque. Middle of September. F- football game? Who's playing? Hilltops? No, Huskies. Oh, okay, okay. Is it going to be Toga night? Uh, I, I don't know if that's the first game. I, th- I actually think it might be. Oh, it's the first game tonight? Well, it's a big homecoming game. Like the the first game technically already happened, but nobody was here yet. Oh, stupid! When does the the Huskies get in the way for hockey? Um, they have preseason games tonight in Regina. I think they play Friday, Saturday in Regina. How bad is the U of R? Are they still the kicking bag of like CIS U Sports? Yeah, it seems like all the Dub guys from Sask go to like Saskatoon to play for the Huskies, and then all like the Junior A slash dub guys who would make the Huskies, they go to the Rams and they just, they're horrible. I remember that. I just remember them getting pumped every game and it was just stupid. Moving on, obviously NHL news, it's been crazy. You haven't slept all night, but you've been playing video games like a seven-year-old. Carlson trade. I don't know how to uh, break that one down other than Carlson and some kid named Francis Perron goes to Ottawa. And uh, in return, the Sens get a couple of draft picks. They don't even seem like amazing draft picks. I mean, it's kind of just a, a throw-in. They get Chris Tierney, Dylan DeMello, Rudolph Balsers. What a name. And Josh Norris, a little bit of a high draft pick, but uh, you ripped him on Twitter. So, I mean, what were you doing when the when the trade broke, and what was your thoughts? I think I was in my car driving, or I, I had my phone charging upstairs, and then I got the notification, Carlson to the Sharks, and I was like, and it was weird, though, because San Jose was the one team who I was thinking of, like, who didn't really have, like, the high-end prospect that everybody wanted, right? So I was thinking, yeah, no way San Jose makes sense. Like, if it's Vegas, it's Cody Glass. And if it's L.A., it's, like, Gabe Velarde and Pearson or something like that. But, but yeah, um, Ottawa is such a disaster, man. Like, they got absolutely hosed on the steal. And I made the argument on Twitter I'd almost want the return that Montreal got for Pacioretty over this return for Carlson because for Carlson, they got a whole lot of virtually nothing, like nobody who's going to be a stud. Like in the Pacioretty trade, I guess we'll get to that in a bit, but Nick Suzuki's supposed to be a first-line player, you know, back-to-back 40-some goal seasons in the O. And then you got like, uh, yeah, Chris Tierney. Here, I'll, I'll read you the guy's stats from last year. Chris Tierney had 40 points in 82 games last year. The, the year before, he had 23 points. Dylan DeMello is a D-man, 6'1", 195, 25 years old. Last year, he had 20 assists in 63 games, three career goals in the NHL. Rudolph's Balsers played on Kamloops two years ago. He was on a line with friend of the show, Garrett Pilon, and I really liked him. I thought he was a really good player, and... That yeah, he had a shot to play in the NHL, but I didn't look at him and say, man, this guy's a future first line or stud. Like he had forty eight points in the AHL last year in sixty seven games, and that's a very good year in the He had forty tucks in juniors though. He's a really good player. Like he's not, but the same th- 
at the same time, like he's not supposed to be like, he's a second, third line player for Carlson. That's not enough. And then I guess Josh Norris would be the big one. And he had eight goals at Michigan at 37 games last year. And he didn't play a prominent role for the States at the world juniors. So he was kind of third, fourth line. So yeah, I guess he'd be the big one, but at the same time, like Ottawa got four players and none of them are home run players. And that's what I said. Like for Carlson, you need a, a home run player. Like you need to go and look at the list of top 10 prospects in the league and try and trade for one of them. And none of these guys are even close to like the next best thing. And for your best player, your franchise player, your biggest asset, you got six assets and that's what they are because I don't know if they'll ever be anything more. And that's all Ottawa kept talking about. They're like, oh, we got some good assets. We got some good assets. You know, like this is going to help us for the future. That's, it's mind boggling. I get it. I don't know if Balsers is actually going to, I mean, Balsers could turn out to be a third line player in the NHL. Anything above that, it's good. Josh Norris, honestly, I've hardly ever heard of the kids, so I can't uh, speak too much on him. Yeah, he played at Michigan. He's played World Juniors, stuff like that. He was a first-round pick. But it's not like he's a standout name, as you said. And the sad thing is, Adam Larson drew in more for that trade. I mean, like, literally, there's nothing here that's going to knock you off your chair. Even if it is a first-round pick, 2019, 2020, whatever, it's going to be a late pick. I mean, the Sharks are good. The Sharks are a good team. That's probably going to be a 25th to 30th pick. I mean, in the first round. And honestly, what good does that do? That gets you another Josh Norris who, I mean, good luck if he pans out. Let's hope he plays a few games. But if you're counting on a stud in return for arguably the best defenseman in the game, probably a top five player in the league, you just absolutely failed Ottawa miserably. The worst, the worst part was that they said that they made the decision in February. So... If you're trading him, well, why not trade him in February and you get a bigger return because the team would get technically, I guess, two playoffs out of Carlson should they make it both years, right? So that's what didn't make sense. And realistically, they still don't have a first-round pick this year. Like they, It says a 2018 or 19 first-round – or no, 2019 or 20 first-round pick – so all the picks are for 2019. I mean, I get that they wouldn't really want a, a pick from San Jose this year because it's probably in the bottom five to ten picks the first round. So you still want those, but, I mean, you'd rather maybe Carlson doesn't sign there and then you get him next year, whatever. But, yeah, Dorian completely buggered up this deal. And how about their tweet they sent? Like, I guess we have to talk about Sagan too, but so the Dallas Stars for Sagan, they post that sick like little video game. Like it was creative, right? It was very creative. And then the Senators, like I'm pretty sure Melnick typed up this tweet himself because he's such an idiot. But he goes, Sense complete, most important trade and rebuild, acquire six assets in Carlson, Eric Carlson trade. Who even words something like that for one? And like most teams would say Carlson trade to Sharks, like, Complete most important asset or trade and rebuild. That was, I mean, a stupid tweet. A stu- I mean, like, what was that uh, thing with, like, Eugene Melnick and Borowiecki or whatever? Like, that stupid video. Ottawa's actually just a dumpster fire mess right now. And I honestly don't think they even know what they're doing. 
they're just panicking. They're like, oh my goodness, we could be the worst team in NHL history. Like Montreal's getting worse and we're just trying to, I mean, just trying to beat them. They completely ruined the their team. Well, pretty much with the Duchesne trade. Well, a lot of people think it's Ryan Murray's passing and he can't keep Eugene Melnick in check anymore. And then Pierre Dorian traded for like they're one of their best prospects for Alex Burroughs just for him to retire. And then they traded for Duchesne and Duchesne sucks. And they drafted Brady Kachuk instead of probably Jack Hughes next year. So it's a bad look. How the hell is Dorian a GM though? Like if you look at the trades he's made, they're actually all bad. Honestly, I mean, if Edmonton Oilers fans want to talk about how bad PC is, they've got it good compared to Ottawa. Because, boy, some of those returns he's getting are just pathetic. And he continues to. I mean, this Eric Carlson one was no different. You literally got six assets. And honestly, to your average day fans who are buying tickets, they don't know who the hell any of those guys he just acquired are. They're banking on some of those draft picks could turn into decent players. But they also don't realize there's only like one first round pick in there. And it's going to be a late draft pick. Like You're not going to be getting a top five player in that draft. You're going to be getting another decent junior kid, college kid, a Josh Norris-style player. Like, as I said, the return for Pacioretty is probably better because you're actually getting a guy who's projected to be a first-line center, not second, third, energy guy, bounce up and down the lineup type thing. Tierney may be the best player in that trade that they acquired just because he's got some NHL experience and Ottawa's going to suck this year. So a guy like that can actually like hop into the lineup and not be brutal. But yet again, I feel like Tierney's points were inflated since he's playing with the San Jose Sharks, and they're a pretty damn good team. Yeah, and at least Tierney's from Ontario. He played in London. Like You still have to field somewhat of an NHL team. Like In Ottawa's case, there's no point in even fielding an NHL team or, or no point in sucking because they don't have a first-round first pick. Brady Kachuk's going to be a tremendous player, but he's not going to be in the same awesome Matthews Jack Hughes category. I don't get how you don't fetch multiple first-round picks for Eric Carlson. If you're talking about going full rebuild mode, you have to. It doesn't make any sense to not get at least a couple of first-round picks or a top prospect. Honestly, they didn't even get a top prospect for him. Not a guy that they're like, oh, watch this kid in two years. He's going to be a stud in the NHL. You just got no names and you lost the best defenseman in the game. And that's why, as ridiculous as it sounds, that's why I said like Vancouver could put together the best package or something like that. But I, yeah, San Jose was probably the worst package. And if you want to see Eric Carlson play anywhere this year, you know where you should check out? I'm, I think I could guess. SeatGeek. SeatGeek is an app that takes out the confusion from buying tickets from all over the web to make buying simple. Tickets are given a grade based on value, a 1 to 10 score on each ticket to let you know if you're getting a good or a bad deal. View from the seats lets you see where you're going to sit. So, you know, at the Old Rutherford Drink in Saskatoon, you're not going to sit behind a pole. Click on the Me tab to enter our promo code WORLDTALKYOURREPORT for $20 off your first order. You can download the app by clicking the link in our Twitter page. World Talk Report, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. We got some more beef with this Carlson trade, though, because yesterday, listening to the media got me fired up. I know I texted you a little little uh, text rant for you there, but okay, I'm listening to the radio driving home from work, and of course, 
I guess you can probably guess. It's one of the Edmonton radio guys. They've got the balls to say that they don't like they he's like, I don't see why the Oilers couldn't beat the San Jose Sharks in a seven game series still. That's bonkers. They're like, oh, I don't think San Jose really got that much better. What have the Oilers done this offseason that makes you think that? And honestly, what type of glue are you sniffing? Because San Jose now has arguably one of the top, I mean, you can definitely put them as a top three defense in the NHL. They were a good team last year. They ran into a hot Vegas Golden Knights team in playoffs. If not for that, I mean, they would have been playing Winnipeg in the conference finals without a doubt. Or Nashville. I don't even remember who went to the conference finals. Whatever. But there's absolutely no way. Like the Oilers honestly haven't done a damn thing this offseason. And I don't get why people are so delusional that they can't see. The Edmonton Oilers are not the team that they think they are. They've got a couple of good players. You probably got the best player in the world. But yet again, you don't even have Darnell Nurse signed on the back end. Your defense is brutal. You're full of band-aids. And you just better hope that Cam Talbot has a good season. That's the thing with the Oilers. I looked at, or I was listening to some, some stuff the other day, and they're relying on a lot of things that other teams aren't relying on. Like, you're relying on Cam Talbot, who's had one good season as a full-time starting goalie. Uh, your backup goalie couldn't make the NHL. He did great in the KHL, but he couldn't make the NHL a couple years ago. Uh, you're relying on Ty Ratty to play on Connor McDavid's line, you're relying on Toby Reader to get you 25 goals on Dry Settle's line and Lucic to hopefully get you 20. And then you're relying on Yes Pugliarvi to, I don't know, figure out what he is this year. Cause he still, at this point, he still doesn't know. Like, is he Blake Wheeler or is he, I don't know what a comparable is. Is he not an NHL player? Because Blake Wheeler was a comparison at the time and he looks nothing close yet. And then, like, you're relying on Brodziak to kind of fix your penalty kill. That was just abysmal. And then you're relying on Clefbaum to get back to, like, 15 goals. You're relying on Larson to have a better year, although last year was tough and out of his control, of course. And then you're relying on, like, Ethan Bear Bouchard to quarterback the power play. Like, there's so many things they're relying on that who knows if it's actually ever going to happen. Because if two or three of those things don't work out, then they're back to where they were last year. Now, how about Jim Matheson, another Oilers guy? His his tweet from yesterday was, like, give Doug Wilson credit. He gets Eric Carlson, although now he's got two right-shot offensive D in Carlson and Brent Burns. Only room for one on the power play. I mean, does this guy watch NHL games? I'm mind-boggled, honestly. I mean, the first thing I thought of was, like, hey, this guy's never heard of an umbrella power play before. But yet again, that's what you're worried about? Two right-shot players, defensemen on a power play? Honestly, that's the best look at a power play that you can have. You can set it up on that left side the whole time. I mean, all damn day, Carlson's going to play the top. Burns can play that left side one time or hammer them. I mean, they're versatile NHL stars. They're all-stars. They're the best in the game for the reason. And I mean, you're going to be like, oh, they can't be on the same power play together. Give me a break. That was the. I, that was just mind-boggling a pathetic tweet and honestly that just shows how delusional some people are and a lot of it comes in the Oilers media that's ridiculous to say like you have two of the three best right shot defensemen in the league like I guess Drew Doughty would be the other one and you're worried about where they're going to play on the power play like you're worried about 
eight to 10 minutes of a 60 minute game. And they're not going to be on the ice, obviously, for those entire eight to 10 minutes. They'll be on for probably six or seven of them. But yeah, that's, that's asinine thing to say. I was still mind boggled, but okay, that's enough Carlson talk. I mean, hey, it's a sick setup for him. I'm pumped to watch him in the Pacific. I mean, I'm looking at Flames tickets right away. So, uh, yeah, not a big deal. We're going to be, uh, hitting up SeatGeek. Maybe they'll hook the boys up. What's your thoughts on the Pacioretty trade? Because honestly, I'm pretty excited to see him in the West as well. I, I, Honestly, I love seeing the Western Conference stack up, even the Pacific. Honestly, because one, the Oilers haven't done nothing, so I hope they just get pummeled every single game. And two, it means that we get to watch some more star players really strengthen a, a good division. In all honesty, I think Montreal won the trade. I know that Pacioretty, like he scored 39, 37, 35 goals before. For one, he had 17 goals last year in 64 games. Like, I'm not. I have my questions about him as a player. Um, I've never thought, like, I never thought, like, he was the wrong guy for the captain, captaincy in Montreal. I'll get that out of the way. Um, the fans loved him because he scored a couple goals, but in the playoffs, in 38 games, he had 19 points. Like, I know he wasn't going to have to worry about the playoffs in Montreal, but this, he was invisible the last time they made it where he had one assist in the sixth game six game loss. So, and he's never had a center to play with in Montreal, really like his top center. When he scored 39 goals, it was David Dayarnay who had 36 assists, like Dayarnay and Placanitz. Like that's, that's abysmal, right? But you're going, you're going to Vegas and their top center is William Carlson, who magically went from six to 43 goals last year, whatever it was. And then, Paul Stastny, who's good, he's on the back nine of his career, I guess you could say at this point. And he's 45 to 50 point guy. So, I mean, good for Pacioretty for getting out of Montreal, but I think the Canadians won the trade just because of Suzuki. Well, I still think Vegas is kind of, they see themselves in that window of they have to have a good year. Because it's uh, they got all the fans hyped up, right? I mean, you got all the kids amped up on sugar, and now if you come out and lay an egg next season, that's going to hurt the look for your franchise. So yeah, bringing in some more top end players, you lost some damn good players. I mean, losing James Neal hurts, but yet again, if you got the cap space, you might as well replenish that. And you you don't really, I mean, they gave up a lot of draft picks and stuff like that, which you hate to see for a team. But I mean, look what assets will get you and. Well, it gets you the Ottawa Senators. They got a lot of them. They're a dumpster fire. What a joke of a team. Yeah, what's your thoughts on Suzuki, though? I know you mentioned a little bit, but do you think he has that potential to be a top six forward in the show? Yeah, I do. I think uh, they said he's in like the Patrice Bergeron mold, where not super big, but incredibly smart both ways. Like looking at his stats here, uh, 96 points in 65 games in 16-17, then 100 points in 64 games in like this past past year, 17-18. So I think he has a chance to be a stud for Montreal. And, you know, everyone's talking about how they never had any centers. And then they have Suzuki, uh, Ryan Paling, Jake Evans, and now caught Kaniemi or whatever too, whether that was the right pick or not. But at the same time, Bergevin, I think he's done a nice job getting centers and finding centers to develop rather than just like 
trying to search search for them. I think that Paling kid's gonna be nasty. Yeah, I think he will too. And if he doesn't stick in Montreal this year, he'll be the best player on our World Junior team, you'd think. So, yeah, I think it's a really good trade, and in a couple of years, I think Montreal could be really good. I do think they should have dealt Price though instead of signing the extension, but. Who knows, maybe these guys are ready in two years and you still have price for five more, right? So, yeah, I'm going to come out with an article um, in the next couple of days, but it's about George McPhee, and it kind of talks about him. Uh, I don't want to preview it too much, but I question his trade, the value he puts into trades in this, because in Washington – did a great job drafting and developing, but he traded Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat. And Martin Erat had three goals in 63 games in Washington and was dealt to Arizona. So there's that one. And then during this year, he traded three draft picks for Tatar, just for Tatar to watch his, to get into the Knights games for free in the playoffs so he could watch from the press box. And then now he trades a second Tatar at Suzuki for Patch Reddy. So that's, a first, a second, a first, two seconds, a third. Tatar Nick Suzuki for Patchetti is what it's basically turned out to be. No, exactly, and I mean I've I've seen that uh, multiple times, and honestly, yeah, sure, you can build teams. I mean, don't give the guy the controller if you're going to play GM mode and start trading everyone, trying to build your team with Lego blocks. Some of those times, you just got to let it happen. Just let them develop, let it play out. Don't rush. So I think that was a, a Tatar thing. They were like, oh my goodness, we're actually a good team, but we have to get good for playoffs. Who can we bring in? Oh, Thomas Tatar is available. Cool. What do you want for him? Done. That's probably how that, those negotiations went. About the exact same as the Oilers signing contracts. Except for Darnell Nurse now. He's still unsigned. A little, little segue into that. Adam, where are you at with uh, the Nurse watch? He's had one 20-point season. So, like, I had the article that came out the other day, and I, I like, Spectre was tweeting yesterday that they're still 300,000 apart. Um, I think from the other standpoint, they should just wait. Like, it, it might hurt them a little bit, but maybe, maybe they'll see how, how good they could be without Darnell Nurse or how they're not that desperate for him. Um, I definitely have my reservations as about him, and, his numbers last year, they slot were a number four defenseman slots, right? So you're not paying a number four defenseman $5 million. Like I say bridge him for two years, figure out what you're going to do with Lucic. Um, you won't have that ridiculous Koskinen $2.5 million on your on your books. And then who knows where your team's at in two years. But bridge him, tell him to suck it up. And if he proves himself, sign him to a long-term deal. Good, but he's yet to prove himself. 100% agree. What happens? Let's play a little scenario here. What happens What happens if Koskinen does good? I'm not going to say that, I mean, he's a guaranteed lock, but what happens if Talbot has another garbage season and Koskinen steps up? What do you do with Talbot's contract then? Because he's still got a few more years left, doesn't he? No, I think he's done after this year, actually. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I, I thought he sold a few more at like five or six. Well, I, I think the all the talk was... um. Like that's he's gonna push Talbot for a contract next year, not like they're gonna. But this Koskinen guy's thirty. Like you're not like yeah, he's not young. You have no idea what he's gonna be in four NHL games. He has an eight seventy three save percentage, and he got cut by the Islanders. The Islanders recycle goalies left, right, and center. So 
but in the KHL the last six years, he's been like, his numbers are astounding. Like he's played on ska. So, I mean, like, it's not like it's difficult. That league's rigged. I mean, literally you could stand in net there and they'd probably like be forced to shoot at your pads or they get deported. Six, seven though. Like the last time we had like that Anders Nilsson guy a couple of years ago and he was good a couple of games, but he let in three shitty goals and then you'd lose four, three. So like, I mean, you can't have that. I just, I don't know. With Nurse, I think they bridge them two years, three and a half million per year. Like you still, because you I thought I read that he was looking for five. Yeah, that's absurd. He's not getting that from anyone. I hope somebody, honestly, I want, I think the guys, I want somebody to offer sheet him. That's what I hope happens. But yeah, I think, uh, no one's going to now though. Well, I know, but that's what I was hoping would happen. I think, well, you could still put Sekra on long-term injury reserve because his five and a half million is ridiculous, and Chris Russell's four million is ridiculous, and oh, it's just a mess. But yeah, two years, I I wouldn't give him more than three and a half or four, and you don't even have room for four. Well, I'm just uh, looking at the little ticker here, Joel Ward to Montreal. He could be their best forward. That's awesome. I think he just signed a signed a PTO there. I believe it was a PTO. I just caught the the last bit of that. So he's uh he's gonna be a Montreal Canadian, well most likely. That's pretty cool. I love watching him play. He's got a little bit of old school to him. Big guy, not afraid to go in corners, not afraid to muck it up in front of the net. I like that. That guy used to play on Ovi's line. Do you remember this goal against Tim Thomas? It was an yeah. OT thriller. Seven. Joel Ward picks up a greasy rebound in front. Oh man. Wasn't there I'm trying to think of who the, the play-by-play guy was, but didn't he have an incredible call on that one too? It's probably Bob Cole. He's the best. I'll have to look that up, and maybe we'll uh, we'll toss that one in there. We were talking about Sagan for the last two weeks. He, he kind of got a couple bucks laying around now, hey? A payday was expected for that guy. And honestly, what a good team player. He honestly took a pay cut. I guarantee you, if he wanted to ask for more money, Someone would have been willing to give it to him. Did he really? But he takes nine point eight. Did he really what? take a pay t- pay cut though? If it's no taxes. Yeah. Still. Still. I mean, he could have been greedy. He could have been real greedy. Gone for eleven, twelve, no taxes. Would have been set. And instead, I mean, he kept it under ten. Star forward right there, keeping it under ten in this day and age. I think that's a pretty generous deal for the Dallas Stars. The thing I'm most happy about is that – oh, shit. Don't want to see this. The thing I'm most happy about nice. is I – was, I was watching an Alex Nylander highlight. The thing I'm most happy about is we don't have to hear about this every day. Probably at start December January. Every single day until July 1st. Like that Tavera – the Tavera stuff was absolutely ridiculous last year. Like – all this, and I get that there is a Toronto factor, and there wouldn't be with Sagan, but still, like every day, Sagan, 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 Sagan. Where is he signing? Where is he signing? It's Vegas. Is it here? What happened in Boston? Yeah, but no, good for them. He's top ten, it's close to top ten forward in the league. So, and the last three years, like over eighty points and close to forty goals or over forty goals. So, I mean. He's a stud, and that's a really good deal, I think, for both sides. He is a stud. That's an understatement. And it kind of sucks 
that Dallas hasn't really had a good team in a while because they've got some good pieces. I mean, I love watching Ben, obviously, but yet again, they just can't seem to put it together. Their defense isn't good enough. They aren't getting consistent goaltending. So I was a little bit shocked in that sense of maybe it was time for Sagan to get out. But hey, I mean, if you're enjoying it, if you're liking the core, if you're believing what they're selling, all for you sign it. I mean, you're living in like a whatever, there's no state tax. Kid saving himself some money. Dallas is not a bad city at all. Not bad. No, it doesn't suck there. I think Dallas could be, they can make noise. It, for the last five years, it's pretty much what it, What are you going to get from your goalies? I know. And I guess it's their third head coach in three years with, uh, what's his name? Jim Montgomery, right? Yep. Jim Montgomery. So College guy. You don't know what you're getting quite yet, but you better hope it works out. Now, some sad news, I guess, especially if you're a Wings fan. Well, even just a, a hockey fan in general. I mean, Henrik Zetterberg hangs him up. He's played for a long time. Damn, that guy had a career. He was a he was a true like power forward in the league. He was a big force. Loved getting in front of the net. Great hand-eye, too. He could tip the puck. Great deflections. I mean gritty in front so it does suck to see him hang him up with the uh, back injuries there just couldn't recover and so yeah, i mean you wish him all the best in his recovery obviously you got a life after hockey so those injuries are going to toll on you but yeah he played something like 15 seasons had a ridiculous amount of what do you have 960 points or something yeah i had to delete your tweet by the way i was just looking for that you said he had 960 assists yeah good one cody Oops. He's one of those guys who, you know, you watch him and he's just good. Like, you never really look at him. You're not like, oh, he had blazing speed or his hands were unreal or he was really, like, you know, you never really look at him. He was just good. Like, that's just how you put it. And, you know, he won a couple cups. He won a Conn Smythe. Um, 960 points in 1,082 games. Like, he was just good and his best year – 92 points and 43 goals and yeah like it's a hall of famer i don't quite know if those are like who knows right like you never doesn't really have the hardware to back it up like individual hardware that most of those guys have but i don't know it's it's crazy to think like 15 years as a seven seventh round pick in the 1999 draft 210th overall and thousand games, yeah, he was just good. Like that's what I have to say. You know why I give guys like that credit is because they played through arguably the toughest transition in the NHL. Because what what was his? I mean, what year did he get drafted in? No, in ninety nine he got drafted. Oh, okay. So he got drafted in ninety nine, and then look at how the the NHLs changed. Like he went through so many different transition periods. I mean, all those lockouts and stuff too. Like. He literally went through and saw change firsthand in the NHL, and he kept playing up until, well, how many games did he play last year? 82. Holy shit. He's played 82 games the last three years and 77 the year before. Jeez. That's nuts. So, yeah, I mean, that, a guy like that, seeing all the transition in the game, you got to give him credit. I mean, he played in that clutch and grab, that hard-hitting Scott Stevens era. He went through a lot. Tough guy era. Moving over to the skilled transition, and now whatever we're at now with uh, different rules, suspensions all the time, and 
a lot of damn good skilled kids out there. Have you been watching much of the uh, NHL rookie games and stuff? Obviously, a uh, few buddies out there playing. And, but I tried to keep up with the the Flames, the Oilers a little bit, watching some of that. Have you seen any? Uh, I watch like I haven't like sat down and watched any. Like just kind of follow them, and all that stuff. Like you don't you don't really put too much stock into your team losing eight one or beating the McEwen Griffins eight one or something like that. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, Cole Lynn's getting a nice look in Vancouver. He's, uh, I think he's on a line with Horvat. I, I saw so that that doesn't suck at all. Um, yeah, no kidding. Not a bad player to play with. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, no, I haven't like I follow a little bit, kind of see, search, see if you've seen some buddies and interviews. You know, friend of the show, Connor Ingram, friend of the show, Cole Lynn, those guys. But yeah, I don't put too much stock. I'm a big main camp guy, though. Main camps are all coming up here. Yeah. I watched. Uh, I've watched a few highlights now. I don't put too much on that whole Nate McEwen thing. And obviously Edmonton media is blowing it up. Like, what a joke. Why do we play these guys? It's like, okay, let's pump the brakes. Last year, you guys got shut out 2 nothing by these scrubs, these ACAC scrubs. So, I mean, let's pump the brakes on, like, we need to be playing better teams. Because last year, you were like, oh my goodness, is there a, a league worse we can play? That's how bad it was. Um I was watching a lot of the Flames rookies, a lot of the highlights. They've, uh, well, they had that little rookie tournament there, and then they played it in Red Deer the other night against the Oilers rookies. And yeah, some of the guys look good. Honestly, Parsons looked good between the pipes. Uh, Glenn Godden had a hell of a game. Swift Current Bronco. So, I mean, I think the Flames rookies are looking pretty promising. And, you know, being someone who he does usually side with the Sea of Red, it's a good luck for them early. Yeah, and a couple notes from the Flames informal skate the other day. Uh, James Neal on the right side with Monahan and Gaudreau. TJ Brody on the right side with Giordano, not a surprise. Uh, and Austin Zarnick's really stood out. So I think I think Zarnick's a player who could really, really kind of be a dark horse good player for the Flames. He was picked up in that from Boston, correct? Yeah, he was. So with him, he was pretty much your classic, like, AHL stud like he was sick in the AHL but he could never crack Boston and to be fair in Boston they have like who they have DeBrusque, Forsbeck, Carlson, um, Heinen, Bjork like they had too many guys and last year in Boston four assists in 10 games in the AHL in Providence 69 points nice in 64 games and apparently he had 22 he had 22 teams after him uh, in the off season, and I think Friedman said that Trilliving flew to Detroit to go and go and meet with them. So watch out for Austin Zarnick. You see, the Flames just signed Gilbert Brule on a PTO. Jeez, uh, yeah, what a pickup there! Former Oiler, he had his best years as an Oiler, didn't he? Yeah, well, best years. Who who really knows that? He was a he was in the Crosby draft. I want to say his best year at the Oilers. 37 points in 65 games. And then he followed that up with a nine point season in 41 games. He had, he was a high pick. Holy 2005 draft six overall. Wow. That's a tough six, seven, eight, nine in that draft. So Crosby, Bobby Ryan, Jack Johnson, three pretty good players who like, I know, Say what you want about Bobby Ryan, he has 500 points. 
Um, Benoit Pouliot was four, and he still played six in our games. Carey Price, five. Brule, six. Jack Skilly, seven. Devin Setaguchi, eight. Brian Lee, nine. And Luke Bordone, ten. And obviously he passed away, so RIP to him. And then Mark's Kopitar, 11. Stahl, 12. Carey Price, fifth overall. Could you imagine if teams could have seen his potential? Flurry was a first overall tendy pick. Di Pietro was a first. And I got a I got a source. One of my dad's one of my dad's good friends. He uh he was a Western scout for the Canadians at the time, and he said they're gonna get hoach for the pick. Like he said they're gonna they're gonna get ripped for the pick or whatever. And sure enough, Pierre Maguire made himself just look like an absolute clown. And he's like, like uh, we can't play the clip, but he's going off. He's like, you got Chris Paul, you ate. You got Yan Denis. This pick doesn't make any sense for you guys. And then he's like going off about how like Jack Skilly was on the board or Gilbert Brule was on the board at the time. It's like, oh my gosh. We're going to have to find that clip and possibly insert it in. Yeah. Sounds something like something Pierre would say, guaranteed. Um, I'm scrolling through Twitter right now and Linus Omark had his 300th career point in the KHL. Congrats, big day for the kid. So uh, a little junior action before we wrap things up here. Also, shout out 12 Ounce Sports Radio. Come to you Friday, 6 o'clock Eastern time. The best in the sports talk biz. Adam, what's uh, happening in the Western League there? You keeping up to date? Uh, a little bit. You know, you follow, follow the games. A lot of the guys are away at NHL camps right now, so you don't look too much into it. But uh, the Blades are 6-0 and in the preseason. So, you know, just probably a... Uh, Probably a preview of what's to come this year. Um, I think like, and you know what? Remember when we pumped, uh, we pumped Kirby Doc's tires like during the Ivan Holenka. We're like, oh, him and Lafreniere together, they've been studs. Well, Kirby Doc has six points in five preseason games. So I mean, doesn't suck. And there's no no pain Krebs on near him. So there's that. Um, no kidding. Yeah. Any anything else, Cody? We didn't uh, talk about your your trip to Humboldt there. I think uh, everyone watched that. And that really should have been one of the first things we talked about. First off, unreal job by TSN. That was unbelievable. I mean, four hours commercial free. Credits to all those guys who did it. I'm usually one. I mean, we both ripped those guys, but TSN did an unfucking believable job. That was that was nuts. Uh you were there though. What, like, I mean, how was it? Obviously, I mean, you want to see some of your buddies and stuff, but what was it like? Yeah, it was crazy. I went up at like one thirty with uh, with Dahlgren and his his parents, and yeah, we went up there. He did a he did an interview um, with some guys doing a documentary on it. Then it was it was crazy. It was like you know you were like being being with him. It was like you had a set schedule. You had to be here, here. here. You had to be in like six places and like an hour which was it was crazy and then yeah just seeing all the all the media stuff and coverage and all the people there and the intros and the puck drop and obviously the the game was pretty good itself it was a really good game I mean Declan Hobbs he's been the best 98 goalie in Saskatchewan for how long so he's a stud um yeah and then the post-game ceremony it was it was really well done um you know it was it, they did a really good job. I watched it back on TV, and it was kind of like what you saw on TV was pretty similar to to what was actually going on in the in the rink. So that was that was really good. 
That was an emotional one. It was, I mean, incredible ceremony, incredible everything. I mean, yeah, yet again, it was cool. See Dahlgren, Wasman, all those guys there. They're still kicking. I mean, you, you got to give them full credit. That's the definition of Humboldt strong. And, I mean, those boys are just – it shows how tight some of those teams are and really kind of ideals what junior hockey is. Blades uh, just signed Xavier LaBelle there. Or like, uh, not signed, but they gave him – he's going to be working for him now. So, that's cool. It's cool to see a lot of the guys coaching and stuff. So, yeah. Yet again, I mean, hey, thoughts and prayers are with the guys. Go Bay, Matichuk. They're, they're still battling away. It's uh, hey, there's gonna be a time they get out of there too, and you know they'll see all the support. But I think that's a good way to wrap it up. That's uh, that was a, that was a heartfelt uh, heartfelt night there. The whole hockey world was around. So, Adam, let's wrap this one up. I know you gotta get to school. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Peace. Have a good one.